I don't know if this has happened. If you take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 5, but today's a special day for um, Susan and I. Um, 23 years ago, I was riding around Lake Jackson, and I was headed to Bible Fellowship Church. Uh, for 2 o'clock, I, was, I had a meeting at 2 o'clock, and I was going to meet her here in the fellowship hall at 2 o'clock. Uh, 23 years ago today, uh, we got married. And I uh, just want to thank Susan for for being with me these 23 years. I was just thinking it's kind of neat to have Aunt Barbara here with us this morning. And she made Susan's dress, and I had no idea what it was going to look like. And so I'm riding here, you know, talking to my dad, scared to death. Like, what do, am I, do I know what I'm doing? Do I have any concept of what I'm doing? And um, so it, I think she was sitting in the back, you know, just getting her hair done. She was just like, no big deal, sitting with her sisters. I was freaking out. I was with her dad in the office over there. He was asking me questions, and people were talking to me, and I'm just like, oh, my. And, um, and then God gave us an opportunity to say, I do. And today, we're 23 years later. Uh, we are best friends. So I'd ask you to continue to pray for Susan and I. Um, we know that but by the grace of God, we could lose our relationship. And so continue to pray for our marriage as we go about life. We enter in different phases of life. Um, but I appreciate her and thank you for the opportunity that we can celebrate today um, our years together. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew um, chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And excited about the opportunity to share with you this morning uh, about the Word of God and, and the Beatitudes is kind of what you know or been aware of. And, and so this morning as you're sitting with us, uh, do we have any? Well, will it work this morning? Okay. It's amazing how technology, you put something new in and it should work, but it doesn't work. Okay, well, we'll go from, the, go from this perspective. You have something in front of you called the Word of God. You have something in front of you that some of you, if you have the, a Bible, you have some red letters in the Word of God. Those are words that Jesus specifically spoke to a crowd. He gathered this group together just after he told his disciples, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And then he put some words together on this hillside and he he says some things to them to me that are shocking. He reminds them of of what he's going to do. And it's interesting this morning is, if you know a little bit about me, I like candles, I love to watch them burn. And so I brought a new candle this morning. I might light it, we'll see what happens. But it's interesting as you come to Matthew chapter 5, most of us, when we think about Matthew chapter 5, we think of the concept, you are the light of the world. And it's interesting when you think about Matthew chapter 5, as I've been going over and over and over again, most of the time I want to focus on being the light. But as Jesus has these guys gather, these disciples, these people sitting on this hillside, He's not going to talk to them about anything on the outside. He doesn't talk to them about what kind of light they should buy. He doesn't talk to them about how bright they're going to shine. He flips it 180 degrees and he says, listen, I want to talk to you about your heart. I want to talk to you about the light that shines on the inside, not the outside. There's opportunities where we we want to run into a situation. God, I want to be your light. God's not interested in you being light. God's interested in light that's going on inside of you. You have your Bible, you see in Matthew chapter 5, he says these things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn 
for they will be comforted. Blessed are those, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit eternal life. Now, if you're sitting in this group with Jesus, you've got to be asking yourself, now, wait a minute, if I'm going to be one of your disciples, this doesn't sound real positive. This doesn't sound like I want to sign up and be on your team, that I am really looking forward to being the person that is poor in spirit. I can't wait to mourn. I'm just not really excited about being meek. And isn't it fascinating that 2,000 years later, you do not read a number one leadership clause taken out of this passage of Scripture? You don't find books written on leadership. Hey, this is how you do it. You read on finding the right team, building the right person, being the right person, having all this together, having the right budget, having the right program. And as Jesus tells his followers, this is what it's going to be. Blessed is the individual that's going to depend on God. That's poor in spirit. Blessed is the individual that will mourn. A lot of us just think that just runs automatically to when you lose a loved one. I don't think that's exactly what he's saying. I think he's saying blessed is the individual that mourns over their own sin issue. I'm broken. I'm empty. I need help. Blessed is that person. Blessed are the meek. Blessed is the individual that has the right, the opportunity to be right, and they lay that down. That's what he's talking about when he talks about meekness. Now, as we go a little bit farther, I want to share a couple more things with you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As I was reading through this passage of Scripture, the word hunger and thirst just jumped off the page to me. Because I don't think I really have a concept of what it means to be hungry. I don't think I have a concept of what it means to be If I don't get water in minutes or seconds, it's over. I mean, I know what it's going to be like about 11.45, getting close to noon, depending on how many donuts I eat in between hours. I know that there'll be some type of grumbling in my stomach. I know that I'll be a little bit tired. But as Jesus was sitting with these individuals, they knew what it was like. For somebody to be hungry, to be desperate. These individuals knew what it was like to live next to the desert and have no water. And so he's telling this crowd of people that, that most of them are sitting in front of him saying, yep, check me out. I'm looking real good. He said, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the individuals that have a spiritual appetite. Blessed is the individual, and I was reading through different people's thought process there, would give us an illustration about blessed is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's kind of like the individual that wants to go to a Bible study, and they want to develop their relationship with God, and then they get involved in the Bible study, and they don't really like the Bible study, because the Bible study is bringing the Bible and their life face-to-face. And they're like, no, that's interesting. There's not a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, what do we do? We live in a very easy opportunity. We pick and choose. Well, I kind of like this about Jesus. And I kind of like this about Jesus. And I kind of like this about my relationship with Jesus. 
That's not what Jesus is talking about when he's teaching these disciples. He's not talking about a smorgasbord Christianity. He's talking about a group of individuals that have a hunger and thirst for what is right. And just so you know, he's the one that determines what's right, not you. It's not your laws. It's not your opinions. It's not your preferences. It's not what society says. Blessed is the individual that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. John MacArthur kind of put it this way. way. Jesus said, you are happy when you are broken in spirit, mourning over your sin, meek, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Then you're blessed. The next thing that you read and you see in this passage of Scripture is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's fascinating to me that Jesus is sitting there on this mountainside, this hillside. He's got the Sadducees, he's got the Pharisees sitting there, the most proud, self-righteous, judgmental group of people probably sitting there and say, hey, it's all about us. And Jesus pipes in these words, blessed are the merciful. What is mercy? What does that look like? Mercy, as I think my way through mercy, is meeting people's needs. Mercy is not just sympathy. That's sympathy. Mercy is showing compassion, you getting dirty, you getting involved. Take a Bible and go with me to John chapter 8. Maybe you want to illustrate it this way. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse um, 7. They've caught this woman that's in adultery. And Jesus bent down at the end of verse 6 and started to ride on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Therefore, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and leave your life of sin. That's mercy. Another picture of mercy to me is is in Luke chapter 10. Every Bible, go to Luke chapter 10. Pick it up in verse uh, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood, for the, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When you read expert of the law, you need to know that as a Pharisee. That is somebody that knew Old Testament law. That should have been aware that Jesus is walking around on this earth. Should have been saying, wow, this is my Messiah. I want to follow him. He's going to die on the cross for my sins. Now he wants to trip him up. When it's written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, verse 27, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, 
and with your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Be very important to know that this Pharisee knew biblical truth. He knew what was, what was required of him. He knew information. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and then you will live. Whoa. And then if you keep on reading down through the end of that passage of Scripture, you get the picture of the Good Samaritan. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of the robber, they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and he went away. And all of you know this this story. All of you know that the Good Samaritan was the one who had mercy. It's fascinating to me. The ones that passed by beforehand knew biblical truth. The only one that did anything about it was the Samaritan. The only one that had mercy wasn't the individual that knew the knowledge. It was the individual that knew the knowledge and allowed it to affect their lives, and then they moved toward the individual in need and say, I will show compassion. I will get involved. Mercy's in action. How many times in our lives have we just went right on by? How many times when this, the Holy Spirit would say, and I think you need to maybe say hi to that person or maybe just uh, move over, kind of sit in that direction, and we didn't do it. We knew what we were supposed to do, but we didn't do it. You know what happened? You lost the blessing. Because you allow whatever circumstance or whatever feeling you had or whatever lie that you were believing, like, it didn't matter. And it mattered. Blessed are the individuals that is that are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, verse 8, for they will see God. It's interesting to me, as I was thinking about pure in heart, maybe this isn't true about you, but it's true about me. There's always a tendency to hide from the truth, isn't it? There's always a tendency to keep that person just far enough away so they really don't get a chance to get to know you. There's always be a temptation to hide the inside part of who you are. As you read through this passage of Scripture, the Beatitudes, and we're going to keep on going in the weeks that are in front of us, as you read right on through here, you're going to get to that, oh, man, I want to be the light of the world. You cannot be the light of the world until you are lit on the inside. Until you come to the realization that you're going to sit with Jesus face to face who you are. Not who you want to be. Don't hide from the inside. There will always be a temptation to say, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I didn't do what so-and-so did. You're hiding. Don't hide. Because you will lose a blessing of your own soul if you hide. Some people lose a blessing for eternity. Some people just rob themselves of a blessing of hope today. I thought about this, and we won't run to all these verses, but Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. That's when God chose the one that nobody else would have chose to be the king. 
That's when David's own dad didn't say, hey, by the way, I need you to be at the house today because the prophet's coming over, and he's going to anoint the new king. You're just the shepherd. He's not going to choose you, so just hang out over there. And then he shows up, and the prophet says, where, where, where are, are these all your boys? No, I still got one young whippersnapper over there, but he's not really worth a whole lot to us. He's just a sheep farmer. God doesn't judge man by the outside. God judges the heart. Do not hide your heart. Oh, you can look good on the outside. Another one, great one. Take your Bible, go to John chapter 3. You've got this another teacher of the law, Pharisee, great good guy, knows truth. His name's Nicodemus. And you've got this leader, Nicodemus. And he can't figure out what's going on. They got this Jesus guy walking around, and he's doing some incredible things. Look at it. He says, in, um, and look at John chapter 3 and verse 1. Now there was, a, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. This guy had power. He was well known. He came to Jesus at when? Night. Now, wait a minute. You're a Pharisee. Everybody knows you. They respect you. He comes to find Jesus at night because he's scared. Because he knew if he met Jesus in public and he started to agree with Jesus, it was going to cost him something. And he wasn't ready to give that up yet. So Nicodemus shows up at night and he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who comes from God. For you could perform miraculous signs. You could not do miraculous signs, perform signs you are doing with it were not for God. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you, the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God until he is born again. Teacher of the law is confused. Now, how do, you, how do you get born again? What does that look like? And so he says some very fascinating things. Go over to John chapter 3 and verse 13. No one has ever come into heaven except the man who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Oh, Pharisee, he needed some Old Testament law, Old Testament truth. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus, you're going to have to believe. Nicodemus, you know that, what you know of Old Testament and the story that is told and the truth that took place in the nation of Israel, people were dying. And Moses said, how, how can we help the people? Take a bronze serpent, lift it up in the air, and whoever has enough guts, enough courage to say, hey, if I look there, then I have life. Those people will live. Those who choose not to, they're going to die. What I love about Nicodemus is in John chapter 19, you read these words. John 19, 38. Later on, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews with Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by who? Nicodemus. Jesus is dead. 
Nicodemus won't come talk to him during the daylight, but now there's, there's been some time taking place, and there's something going on in Nicodemus' heart. It's changed. He's no longer concerned about what's going on on the outside. He's no longer concerned about what the Pharisees are going to think. He's going to be the one that's going to come alongside and wrap the body of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His heart's pure now. He's got it. He's figured it out. It's grasped him. This is not very good English, and so, but I, I've, I've stole it from somebody else. My question to you this morning as you think about a pure heart, has your wanter changed? Is there something inside of you saying, no, that's not right? Is there something inside of you that's no longer afraid to hide anymore? Is there something going on inside of you that the cross is okay? Something inside of you that's just beaten differently than it was 20, 30 years, five months ago, six months ago. I don't know. But what I I read in in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells this crowd that's gathered around him, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who don't hide. As you keep on reading, you see another one. Blessed are the peacemakers. And this has been interesting for me to think about it because you don't think about a lot of times that you're really excited about those people who make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. What is true of every individual? Conflict comes naturally. Is that true? And when there's conflict, what does that mean? That means that there's individuals that are involved. That means that there's individuals involved with wrong attitudes and actions that have now led to, quote-unquote, a fight. And before you can resolve conflict, there has to be some cleaning up taking place. There's going to have to be something go on on the inside of individuals. It's you know, and none of us like to do this, but it's, it's okay to be in conflict, but none of us get up in the morning and say, you know what, I can't wait today until I can say I'm wrong. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to look my children in the eye and say, you know, it's so powerful as a father to say, you know what, I need to ask you for forgiveness. So what's natural in all of us, it's not natural in any one of us sitting in this room to be a peacemaker because we all want to be right. We all want our way. And so the crowds around him, they're sitting on the hillside, and he's going somewhere with this. He's going to get somewhere to them. He's going to say something to them that will give them an opportunity that could radically change people's lives for eternity. But before he says anything about being a light, blessed are those who are peacemakers. What does that mean? Blessed are those who have peace inside of them. Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 through 33. Sinful man cannot create peace. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is wicked. Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. 
for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jews and Gentiles, there's a huge wall. Who's the peace? Jesus. If you have your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Look at verse uh, 19. For God, who is pleased to allow the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Where does peace come from? Through the blood, through his blood shed on the cross. So as I think about these words, he says, blessed are are the peacemakers. You will have no peace unless you have a personal relationship with Christ. That's the only way peace is offered. Now just pause. Because I know all of us sitting in this room have conflict somewhere. We all have family situations, neighbor situations, life situations. Are you the peacemaker or the pot stirrer? You're either one of the two. And so Jesus' words to you this morning, blessed is the individual who has peace in their soul not to stir the pot. Because you ain't going to fix it anyway. The only peace that your family or your neighbor will ever have in life, whatever it is, is the cross. He's the only one that provides peace. You can put two people together and you can have a meeting and you can and do all the negotiations. I'm not against all those things. How many times have we tried to stop war? And we've went about it pretty creative ways, but it ain't going to happen. War will not end on this earth until there is peace. Who provides peace? Only the cross. No government, no plan, no negotiations. Because the core problem of the individual is their heart. It's wicked. Until they come to peace in the cross. But isn't it interesting? And don't think about your friends right now, but isn't it interesting? How many times we stir the pot instead of being the peacemaker? We're the ones that are supposed to have peace. We're the ones that supposedly have sat down and enjoyed the cross and said yes to Jesus. Have we really? Have we really? Or is it what happens, and happens to all of us, oh yeah, I, I know about the Bible. I know about those verses. But I'm not going to dwell on it long enough to allow it to get from here and move its way down to actually become part of my life. Will you allow what you know is true? Blessed is the peacemaker. You have to allow that to sink into your soul. You have to spend some time putting yourself aside and say, hold on a minute. Maybe my wife is aggravated at me because she doesn't have peace in her soul. I'm not saying my wife is not a Christian, but maybe there's something going on inside of her. Lord, help her. Maybe there's something going on inside of my soul. She, she came, Susan came to me the other day and she said, how's your soul doing? Wow, that's a loaded question. I think what she was really asking me is, do you have peace today? In the midst of all the stuff that's going on, all the things that you have to do, do you have peace today? 
Will you allow the cross to affect you today so you will have peace? I don't know, will you? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It should cost you something to be a Christian. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted for your opinions and your preferences. For man's law. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because of your willingness to be righteous in a wicked world. Then you're blessed. And so when people look at us funny because we're Christians, we should just maybe high-five and say, you know what, Jesus told me about you on the mountain, and he told me I could be happy about this because, you know what, you're persecuting me not because I want to be right or not because it's my opinion or not because it's my preference, but because it's the word of God and I'm standing on the word of God. And I'm not buying into the lie of the world. I'm being persecuted because the word of God is right. Not my preference, not my thoughts, not my agenda, not my ideas, but the word of God. So then you get to a passage of scripture and you read down what most of you read as over all these years is Matthew chapter five. You are the light of the world. You know what's interesting? As I think about the light of the world, and you can see that I like candles. I love woodwick candles. And you can see that this candle is pretty much burnt down. There's not a whole lot left, and thank you for they found me a, a way to light it. I brought matches, but then I started to realize, I don't think I'm going to get a match down in there in front of burnt, and I want to burn myself in front of everybody. That would be embarrassing. This candle's been used. What's, how do I know it's been used? Because there's black around it, right? So, Nancy, would you kill all the lights? I mean, I won't be, it won't be totally dark in here, but kill, if you kill all the lights. You want to be interesting? This light would be a lot light. This candle would be a lot brighter if I would clean the dirt out. But I didn't clean the dirt out on purpose. Because I think most of us are more worried about being in the light than cleaning out the dirt of our lives. Most of us love chapter 5 because you want to say, God, I want to be the light to the world. God said, great, I want you to be the light of the world. Clean the garbage out first and it'll really shine. Don't get excited about a program or a preference or what you're going to do or where you're going to go. Give me open access to your heart. Let me do something on the inside, and then I'll let it shine in ways you've never thought of. I love to dream. I love to think of creative ways, how we can get involved with people in, in the community and pray for you guys to actually love the Word of God and get involved in a small group Bible study. But as much as I plan and do all those things, None of that matters unless I allow them to clean me from the inside. Are you really blessed this morning? Not just on the outside. But are you blessed on the inside? Have you come to grips with the very first verse? Blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed is the individual who says, God, I want to be a light. But I'm learning over these years 
The light only shines bright when I get brighter when you clean the inside. Let's pray. Father, we're together as a family. In a crazy time, in a crazy world. In a time when the Word of God is just a book. In a time and in society where it's not really excited to, to love the Word of God. And, and a society where basically everything is right. You just choose for yourself. Whatever makes you happy, go for it. Whatever gives you value, sure. But it's amazing to me, Jesus, that you're sitting on that mountainside. You knew about us. And you knew all the things that we would face. And you knew all the temptations that would come our way. But you spoke some words to them that speak really clearly to us now. You paraphrase it all the way down. Blessed is the individual that hungers for the Word of God. Blessed is the individual that will submit to the authority of the Word of God. Blessed is the individual that says, I am wrong. So, Father, as we say those words, We will be laughed at. We might be passed over for promotions. But they're your words. And so may we not just have a desire to be the light of the world. May we have a desire to let the light shine in us first and then to the world. So Holy Spirit, you know what you need to do in each individual heart. I don't know. But my prayer is that individuals that have heard your word this morning would surrender to you. That the individuals that have heard your word will allow that word to resonate in their soul for weeks and months and years to come. That they would come face to face with you, Jesus, and your words to them today, and they would fall on their face before you and say, it's not about me, it's about you. So Holy Spirit, you do the work. Thank you for allowing us to gather. Thank you for letting us be together as a family today. May we not just love you in our words, but may we love you in our actions and responses to the truth of your word. In your name I pray, amen.